Greetings, ladies and mendigants, and welcome to this narration of the web novel Burning Stars, Falling Skies, taken from both HFY and Royal Road. The link to the original will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please subscribe, like, and comment so that the great algorithm and all its wisdom decides to help grow this channel. Chapter 10 Industry A decade changed the face of the planet measurably. Redax sat on the roof of a two-story brick house, sunning herself. By now, rather than towering over the entirety of Lament, it was a truly modest residence. Despite her daughter's insistence, she refused to move into another building. Bakai, Katash, Darlis, and Pankrakt had all personally labored with her to build her home in the first year together, and that meant more to her than any ostentatious show of wealth. Queen Threedak, a voice respectively called from the promenade below. Yes, Bawal, she replied, stirring from her rest. Bawal was one of Katash's daughters and helped her with her day-to-day tasks as a sort of cross between an aide-de-camp and a bodyguard. She was almost 50% larger than Threedak and extremely skilled in both pistol and cutlass. According to Katash, the application process to work as Threedak's assistant was brutal. All of the applicants were forced to go through a battery of combat, etiquette, and management tests until only three remained. Bawal and her two associates, Lindash and Istal, were all the graduates of the elite Special Forces Academy that Katash had set up in Oasis. Threedak had seen them in firing range and sparring on the gym mats. She believed their accolades. Even back in her glory days, when she had led the conquest of the surrounding tribes, any one of them could have easily wiped the floor with her in under a minute. An hour has passed, my queen, Barwell answered. You said you wanted to tour the new factories after your nap and asked that I wake you. Thank you, Barwell, Threedak stood up, shaking the sleep from her limbs. I'll be down shortly. Please let the others know that I'll be ready to leave on time. She walked down the ramp to the second story of her house. On the table next to the crude personal computer that was Bakai's last birthday gift to Threedak sat her bag. Some Dutch doll wore clothing like the humans, but that had never made sense to her. Maybe in regions with inclement weather. But this close to the great desert, clothes were a luxury. The bag, a simple leather affair that hung over her shoulder, was her one nod to humanity efficiency. Maybe it was just because she remembered her first days near the swamp, carrying wet clay by grasper to make the bricks for the first house. But she refused to leave her home without it. Threedak exited her house in just under a minute, much to her guard's chagrin. She still refused to wear any sort of armor or protective gear. They constantly lectured Threedak on her safety, but she hardly saw what there was to fear. Dodgedale society was consumed with the sense of purpose. Everyone knew their place and what needed to be done to fulfill their destiny to seize the stars from the invaders. Her people saw her both as a leader and a living symbol of that purpose. Arming her would run completely counter to what their whole notion stood for. As far as she was concerned, the guards were mostly there to keep adoring fans away from her while she performed her vital duties. Barwal led the way to her residence's gate, an imposing edifice of stone lined with steel spikes built into a roughly 20-foot wall surrounding her home and the nearby gardens. 
She didn't know the names of all the guards that patrolled that wall. Only Bawal, Estelle, and Lindash were actually allowed to approach within a hundred feet of her house. But Threedak knew that there were at least ten to fifteen on duty at any given point in time. She kept telling Katash that she was overreacting, but her daughter would hear none of it. The rest of the sisters agreed, and even though Threedak had the power to override their decision, she didn't. She just couldn't bring herself to force the issue when her daughters fussed over her like this. Ishtal and Lindash fell on either side of her, forming a triangle with the wall at the point. Bordering her house only a short walk away stood the Capitol building, a four-story complex with three wings made from beautiful rose-veined marble. Threedak still preferred the old amphitheater of governance. There was something intimate about the meeting where the four closest daughters under the torchlight what the rest of the lament watched on that the true current system of bureaucrats and ministers lacked. They would still meet courtly or in emergencies to make truly important decisions, but for the last three years the meetings had been televised. Even if she got to see all her daughters in person, it lacked the splendor of the meeting under the torchlight and open stars. Plus, Threedak hated the way the television makeup made her scales look. She always ended up blotchy and off-color, even if no one would dare say that to her face. She kept walking past the capital. It was almost the second home given now much time she spent working there. Her office even had a sleeping couch for when she spent long nights going over the reports from all over the Empire. She snorted. Empire really was only a word for it, as for the last year there were over 40 regional cities and 3 million Dutch tal under her banner. Truly, a testament to their farming techniques and their species' potential for logarithmic growth. The entourage arrived at the large government ground car park outside the capital, and after a brief search by Lindish for explosives, they piled in. More tank than car. It was almost 15 feet long and 11 wide, with plenty of room for the four or five Dutch tall to relax inside, especially with the Ishtal driving chamber and the Lindash manning the vehicle's order-loading cannon. But while rode in the interior with her, discussing the figures on the new strain of Hartland that their scientists were trying to engineer during the ride to the destination. Finally, after almost 45 minutes of weaving the car through the well-wishers and laments intimidable sprawl, they arrived at the new factory, located at the edge of the town and powered by a combination of hydraulic and solar power. It was Bukai's current pet project, once it was running at full capacity, it would be able to produce solar panels, the batteries used by Dutch Tal in everyday life, and vehicles, according to Bakai. It would be capable of churning out 10 tractors or 20 ground cars per day. Bakai was proud of the designs, entirely electric and packed with capacitors. The ground cars would be able to run for almost two hours at a time without recharging, but that was more than enough to get anywhere in Lament let alone another smaller city. Once the factory was open, the ground cars began shipping out to the far-flung cities of the Empire. Dutch Tal society would take on an important step towards modernity while avoiding the nasty period of fossil fuel dependency that plagued humanity. Threedak and all of her daughters agreed. None of them wanted to recreate the periods of expansion and turmoil that racked Earth in their futile attempt to claim more and more of its dwindling natural resources. After all, 
who would want to suffer through four world wars and six cold wars to clean power was so close at hand. It was all a stopgap anyway. Bagai was only one or two generations of tools and equipment away from developing the house-sized fusion reactors that finally freed humanity from dependency on oil and coal. Cold fusion was fairly simple anyway. It really was a wonder that humanity wallowed around for centuries fighting over fossil fuels when they just could have focused on a way to get manipulate hydrogen atoms and solved everything. Barwell led the way out of the ground car, clearing the battery parking lot of adoring Dutch Tull. It really was a shame that Bakai couldn't be there. Threedak would have loved to see her daughter again, but she was wrapped up in important work. She paused just outside the ground car, waving her graspers at the crowd as Ishtar climbed out after her. Almost fifty of her subjects stood, some holding signs with personalized messages celebrating her arrival, while others had placards with silhouette of the Dutch tall and human and Pintrax unity sculpture. Years ago, she had declared its official symbol of the Empire, a decision her people took to with great gusto. Threedak began walking towards the factory, waving constantly to well-wishers, Suddenly, a grasper pushed her to the side, throwing Threedak to the ground. Gun! Ishtal screamed, her sharp voice silencing everyone. Time seemed to slow as Threedak hit the concrete, her scales barely holding up, her bulk skidded across the smooth, hard surface. Then she heard the gunshots. Before her horrified eyes, Istal jerked, her armored vest taking two shots from the crowd before a third quarter in the side of the head, dropping Ishtal's lifeless corpse to the ground. Instantly, Threedak knew those shots had been meant for her. Without Ishtal's quick reflexes, she would be dead on the pavement rather than merely nursing a bruised, scraped scales. The crowd began fleeing almost immediately, leaving two Dutch tiles standing defiantly, one holding a military revolver and the other carrying one of the blasting charges frequently used in Susk's mines. Bowell's handgun barked back, causing the gun-wielding Dutch doll to hiss in pain and drop her gun while trying to reload the firearm. Then the ground car fired, its cannon almost cutting the other Dutch doll in half before the blasting charge exploded, stealing the breath from Threedak's lungs and throwing Bowell to the ground. Luckily, the terrorists hadn't been close enough to cause any serious damage, but the force of the explosion left a crater in the parking lot that shattered many of the factory's windows. Threedak climbed to her feet with Barwell's help, her guard using one arm to steady the queen while training her handgun on the stunned Dutch doll she'd injured earlier. My queen! Barwell slurred, her eyes foggy and possibly concussed according to the whispers of Wang Zinyu. Get back to the Grand Corps. We need to leave as soon as possible. We have no idea if the rebels have reinforcements. No. Threedak shook off the grasper and her shoulder. Before we go, I need to know why that survivor will answer that question, either in life or in death. But while stared at her blankly, struggling to process Threedak's words as she looked at his still, still body, Threedak felt remorse, both that Ishtal had died and that she had never given to know her granddaughters better. But she had exchanged pleasantries with the skinny Dutch doll more times than she could count, but she never really remembered asking her about herself, where she lived, how many young ones she had whelped, what her hobbies were. Threedak couldn't answer any of those questions. Estelle was basically her stranger, and despite that, she had died for her. Threedak walked over to the stun and injured Dutch Tull and reached out, picking up the abused revolver and a handful of shells. 
Bawal trailed behind her, perplexed but trying to support her queen. Threedak slid two rounds into the revolver with practiced ease and drew back the hammer. The dodge doll on the ground looked up at her, confusion evident in her pain, adult eyes. Without hesitating, Threedak aimed and pulled the trigger, blowing a hole through the enemy's crossbows. The dodge doll hissed in pain as Threedak shifted her aim and pulled the trigger once again, ruining the other crossbow. She tossed the weapon aside casually and slid down to all six so that her muzzle could be close to her foe. Why? She hissed, her exposed fangs less than a foot from the terrorist's neck. I've given everything for my people over my entire life and asked for little in return. So ask again, why would you do such a thing? Tyrant! The injured dodge doll spat back, black flecking her more. You and your line rule over us all. You create wonders and go back to your mansions. You live every day content, proud, and full. What about the rest of us? We're dying in the mines of Sask, hungry after long days working in the fields, or crushed by poorly secured machinery in the factories that keep you fat and full of eggs. All jobs are meritocratic, Threedak replied, punching reflexes with warning baritone entered her voice. I made sure of that. If you don't want to work in a factory, learn another trade. No one will stop you from bettering yourself. No one? The terrorist laughed, a terrible gargling sound betraying a collapsed lung. How can those of us that were conquered compete with the daughters in a meritocracy? Our mothers pass on to us what skills they can, but none of us have access to human memories. At best, we awaken knowing how to do the same menial skills that trapped our mothers. Your meritocracy and sentiments are worthless than nothing, she spat as a great gob of blood and saliva that splashed over the side of Threedak's muzzle. You've created a system that's only fair for you and yours, and we reject it. One of your great-granddaughters got drunk and told us the truth about the great human named Karl Max. He taught us that you do the oppressors like you. This time we might have failed, but soon, Dodge Doll, the world over will rise up. After all, we have nothing to lose but our chains. Without responding, Threedak leaned forward and ripped out the Dodge Doll's throat, chewing slowly. She sifted through the victim's memories. Truly, the rebels were idiots, not even organizing themselves into cells or using fake names. Three bites later, all three Dak had access to all of their secrets, names, locations, supplies, sympathizers, everything. What a fool, she spoke sadly, looking down at the new still revolutionary. She hadn't even had it that bad. As far as Threedak could tell, her only real complaint was that she had to work for approximately half of each day at her job as opposed to one-third of a day her compatriots were set to demand. Come, Bohal, Threedak turned and walked back to the crown car. I need to get in touch with your mother. We have a revolution to crush. End of chapter and that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you enjoyed the story, please follow the link down below and let the author know. If you wish to support this channel, you can do all the usual YouTube gumph, like subscribing, following, and more importantly, sharing. All of these things do help the channel grow. If you wish to do more, there are links for donations, Patreon, and channel memberships as well. And until the next time, I hope that you all have a wonderful one. I will see you in the next video. Cheers.